Hi, my name is Judith Hannon, and I'm delighted to be back here on Rare Bird Radio. And uh, today I'm going to be talking, or we're going to be talking together, me and Joan Stanford. And there's probably a lot of ways to describe Joan. Um, I um, know of her mostly through a book that she has just written called The Art of Play, Ignite Your Imagination to Unlock Insight, Healing, and Joy. Uh, Joan is an art therapist. Um, she's also a mom. She's an innkeeper. Uh, she facilitates groups. She works with people of all ages. Um, and just, I mean, kind of does it all. But the thrust of everything that, that you do, Joan, as far as I can tell, is kind of reaching inside and finding those places in with within you that um, that generate creativity, that free you up, that allow you to access your imagination. And a lot of your um, uh, focus is on accessing the, the inner child. And yes. I found that really illuminating for me. And I'm just going to tell one personal little story and then... Uh, let you talk a little bit more about what you do, but I, uh, for many years, considered myself to be a rather uptight person, um, <laughs> not having much access to my inner child. Actually, my 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 childhood was all I was pretty uptight when I was a kid too. So, um, but I did a lot of dance and music, and you know those things. I, I loved dance and I loved music. Those were the two things that really made me feel free. And when I was maybe in my 40s, I went to see a healer. And these are not things that I had been known to do, um, someone who my husband was working with. And she had a focus on Carl Jung, which is, I know, plays very significantly in your work and kind of accessing this child. So she was, I was lying there and she was chanting and doing whatever. And all of a sudden, out from behind my spine pops this little character, like this little Judy, this little child Judy kind of beckoning me out to play. And I will never, ever forget that. And so when I was reading your book, um, that little Judy was kind of bopping along with me. So it was, it was very fun. <laughs> oh, that's but, a wonderful story. <laughs> well, it was a surprise to me because it's not necessarily the kind of thing that I naturally open up to, and um, it wasn't until I discovered my um, what writing was able to do for me um, that I realized I could access um, that kind of creativity um, more easily. So again, these were things, uh, kind of reactions as I was reading your book, which is focuses on writing and art and kind of anything that makes you feel um, free. So I'm going to let you talk for a little bit. Well, I love the story of of how you didn't really expect it and this part of you just popped up. Um, And I think the very beginning of my book, I say, in fact, I dedicate it to that child part of ourselves that's just waiting, you know, kind of waiting patiently to be asked to come out and play. Um, because I do think we all, whether we had that kind of a childhood that was, you know, kind of the 
romanticized version, I guess, where kids are free and playful and joyful. Um, whether we had that or not, um, there's still this little child uh, in us that came into this incredible world, you know, just kind of wanting to engage with it and be surprised by it and interact with it. And I think when we can, as adults, we get so estranged from it. In fact, you know, we kind of um, ridicule it when someone's being childish. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a chastisement. But but when we can get that, that um, wonderful aliveness, that part of us that just you know, things are new, things are exciting, things are, I wonder how this works, that curiosity that just ignites a child's mind. I just think it serves us in just about every aspect of our lives. And so, when so I read your how, book... Yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. Um, I've been a, a little time lag here, but I just was curious how you um, came to all of this. I mean, I'm not curious, it's in your book, but maybe you can, you <laughs> well, can talk about... Well, it was a little... It was a little similar to what you're saying in a way because I, you know, I would, I would, as you said at the beginning, I, I'm an innkeeper. My husband and I have this pretty large inn up here in Mendocino. Well, I'm not there right now, but California. And um, we, we came into it when we first bought the property. I was pregnant with our first child, and so we, and we were living in um, one of the rooms. We expanded, took over another room after the child was born. But, you know, we were in the middle of it, like totally surrounded, uh, you know, by our work, and there was right. no separation. And it's a 24-hour-a-day business and, and no holidays, no weekends. And so it was like I was, totally, um, I was totally lost in it. And at some point, and I honestly don't know, I can't say exactly why, but at some point I just realized, like, I am going crazy. And, you know, they say you don't know you're going crazy when you're going crazy. <laughs> but at some point, I, I just knew something was really missing. And uh, as I said in the book, my kids were taking uh, piano lessons from a from a woman, and I would take them over there and drop them off, and and then think, oh, good, I've got 45 minutes, I can get things done, and just rush away and do things. But at some point, I I got sort of seduced by this place in the forest, and I would sit there waiting for them. And that's when I started doing some just random writing. I think originally I probably wrote to do lists. But then I started writing, you know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, I'm, you know, I, I need space or something. And um, I, I ended up working with this woman who it turned out was an expressive arts therapist and did art making as well as, as the piano lessons. And I'd never taken piano as a child, so that was a big new thing too. But in any case, right early on with her, she gave me the assignment of, um, you know, what, it, what she, we were talking, and she said, what is your greatest fear? And I said to have a child go missing because, of course, I had young children then, and, and that was, right. you know, one, one of the, well, having read your book, I recognize there are other fears, <laughs> other horrible <laughs> fears, but um, what you went through with your daughter's diagnosis with cancer, but um, the idea that a child would disappear and I would never know her fate uh, or his fate, um, you know, was very terrifying. So I she twisted it a little and said, I want you to go home and as homework have a little conversation or represent that child part of you, that missing child part of you. And that was how I came to reclaim that child part of me, the same sort of thing you expressed. This, this picture just popped up. I, I was just thinking in words as I started to draw it, and I just had you know, a, a kid's set of watercolors, those little six slots, and piece of a big pad of newsprint but I just 
wrote watery letters at the top, missing, missing. And then I thought, what was I like as a kid? And I remembered I loved barrettes. I used to have a whole bunch of different ones. And I so I just drew a head with yellow hair and put barrettes in it. And then the rest just came. But what, what it did was it brought alive this person, like the little girl that popped up for you, that I felt really, really out of touch with. And then she became, I think, you know, my guide as I went through this journey um, kind of exploring things with, with creative art making and writing. Right. So, you know, I think that your book and um, my book, The Right Prescription, um, just let me clarify when you were talking about my daughter before, um, I kind of got into, I've had numerous careers, I guess, um, and they were always ones that I drifted into. They were never ones that came from any passion. I first was as a music teacher um, and then as an arts administrator, a fundraiser, and ultimately found my way into writing, which has become my passion, surprisingly so, not not expecting really to find um, something, some new thing, what I would consider to be the latter third of my life. Um, But I started writing and when my kids were little and wrote a lot about family and being a mother. And then my daughter, when she was eight, was diagnosed with cancer. And she's 24 now and a dancer and beautiful. And <laughs> just have to keep I was so happy first. to know that. <laughs> when I started reading the book, I wanted to go right to the end and know that everything turned out okay. Yeah, yeah. So my first book, Motherhood Exaggerated, is that story really of my transformation as a mother during that time, and what I really found, um, what I had to do was uh, recognize that a child going through cancer is not the same thing as an adult going through cancer. My mother uh, died of breast cancer, and she was a serious woman. She, you know, she didn't really believe in using humor very much, and um, saw it as a way of um, kind of flinching from what was really happening. Um, and so, you know, things like her hair falling out, she dealt with in a very upfront kind of way. When you're dealing with an eight-year-old, I had to realize that my mother's way was yeah. not going to work. Right. And my first revelation was really when I realized that I could use humor, that I could make something fun um, out of your hair falling out. And I never would have expected that that was anything that I could be able to do. And so, really, the the first book documents how I became kind of a softer, softer, less judgmental. I don't know if I'd use the word playful to describe me, but I, you know, I laugh a lot more. And <laughs> um, so, for me, I guess that's playful. But in writing that book, I realized, and I would do readings, and people would would come up to me and tell me their stories, and so I realized that everybody really has stories to tell. And I started yeah. teaching um, initially with homeless mothers I work with at the Children's Museum of Manhattan, which is where I live, and um, and as kind of in a way to promote motherhood exaggerated i started posting writing prompts and then i realized that this was more serious than that and people really wanted to write and i wanted to help them write and just in the same way that you want to you know help people access um 
all the moods and revelations that can come with being a child. No, I'm not. I'm, your book isn't just about being a child. I shouldn't, it, but it is about being free and, and playful. Um, and I wanted to liberate people who would always come up to me and say, you know, I want to write, but I, I'm no good at writing. I don't know how to write. I've never written. I don't know where to start. You know, my third grade teacher told me I shouldn't write. You know, all, whatever it is. It's like um, if you were ever in a chorus in, in school and you didn't sing well, they tell you to mouth the words. Well, the same thing happened with, you know, people in school with writing. And so I and wrote the right prescription. <laughs> what? And the same with art. I mean, someone yeah. just has to tell you that that doesn't look the way it's supposed to, and you just exactly. it goes away. You don't want to do it anymore. Exactly. Well, that's what I love about your book because you just admit that that you're not you're not trained. You're not. You know, this is really just you creating this art um, and and letting everybody know that they can do it. And so that was my uh, objective also with the right prescription. And I love it at the beginning of your book when you talk about, um, oh, I had it marked and I don't know where I put it, but um, like starting small. Oh, yeah, here it is. Try not to set up unrealistic goals and commit to doing small, doable, doable things. And in the right prescription, I refer, that to, to refer to that as taking small bites. That, yeah. you know, if you set yourself up with these big, lofty goals, then you're going to you're not going to make them. I was going to use the word fail, but I don't use the word fail. But you're not going to achieve those those goals. And but right. if you tell only one tiny piece of your story at a time, then then you're going to get someplace, and then the story is going to get bigger and bigger. So I just I just kind of love that um, because even when we're trying to free ourselves up, we put so much pressure on ourselves to do it right and do it exactly. Big and, um, and get attention for it, and you know that's that is not that's not the objective. It's really to well, and I think I think both of us. I mean, both of us had the same impulse. I think in in making uh, writing a book because I felt I was inspired by others, and I wanted others to you know feel that they had the ability and even if they didn't know that it was such a surprise to me what I discovered when I started to do this and I wanted others to try um, to just give it a try is really what it was and I think both of I mean and, and I have writing prompts as well but I think the writing both books you're the right prescription and mine um, what we're trying to do is is encourage people to value their own experience and to deepen their own experience by reflecting you know, on their, what happens to them as they go through their day, whatever it is. And I right. think we both know that that is so healing in itself, just to start to, you know, honor yourself that way and, and speak your own truth. And you have a wonderful, if, if, can I just read a wonderful, I love this that you have at the back, because the other thing that I think both of us feel is important is you're doing it as a as a sort of a journey of discovery for yourself you're not necessarily doing it to share or to publish or anything but it's it's a valuable exercise in itself and and i love what you wrote here with you when you say whether you began as a novice or a practice writer you have honored your voice and therefore yourself for whose ear is that voice intended it could be you have written only for yourself to find understanding meaning and or transformation in what you have gone or are going through 
He may also have written as a way to share with family and friends. For no matter how close these people may be to us, we still must guide them to see beyond the surface of our daily lives. And then it goes on about it if you do want a wider audience. But I right. think what you say there, to, just to get to that point is huge, I think, especially for women, because we tend to, you know, have all our, our, our ego is attached to being a caretaker, taking care of others and giving others you know, our time and our attention and to focus on ourselves always, there's a little guilt attached, at least for myself. So when you can take the time to, to spend, um, I just like to think it deep, deepening your own experience of being alive and really honoring that and, and expressing that, it's so enriching enriching to yourself. And, and if you share it, 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 it to me, it, it totally enriches the community as a whole because we all have different experiences and we experience the same thing so differently and yet there's a commonality that unites us. Oh, absolutely. So tell me about what the, the the work that you do as an art therapist and the groups that you run and then you talk also about something called soul collage and I was curious about what that was. So oh, that's a that's a really neat, um, uh, it's a process that um, a woman, a, a psychotherapist in uh, California came up with, or she copyrighted that term, and she has um, a format, like a specific size of a card, and she has different, um, different she, it basically you make a deck of cards, and there's different suits, like there's your... Um, um, community; those would be people alive or dead that are in your in your life. Um, you know, spouses, grandmothers, neighbors, whoever people, or even writers, authors that have influenced you. Um, there's your inner. I think she calls it the committee, the inner voices in your head. Anyway, and and then animals and archetypes, like you know, different things. But what you right. do is you take one of each of those. Um, whatever comes up for you, you can make a list, and you make a collage. And in her system, you do not use words on the collage. You would just use different imagery. So, like, for example, if you were doing, um, you know, a, a collage, I mean, a, a soul card, a soul collage card on the child, the archetype of the child, you would just find some images that, you know, embody all childness to you or something. Um, but it's a very powerful process, and she actually has trained people to be, you know, um, leaders and teach the, pro the process. But a lot of my collages, I, con I consider them all soul collages because I feel like something's coming through me, and I try to be as open and spontaneous as possible in when I create them. Um, when, I do, when I do groups, workshops, I'll often have, similar to your, to your process there, I would have some prompts, um, some warm-up type things that we would do because, I, you know, at the end I offer these play shops and they're mainly people that do not have any, any active, in quotes, creative process that they're do, engaged with. They're usually busy people. This is just something they thought might be fun while they're on a vacation. So they're a little intimidated. So I always want, and, I, and that's actually why I call it play, too. I figure that's a backdoor in to doing something that really is quite serious and quite, um, well, powerful. Uh, but anyway, I, so I have, I have them do some warm-ups, uh, simple, usually writing exercises, but with something tangible. I think you had this in your book, too, where you basically become an object yeah. and um, talk about it with different 
the different senses and whatnot. And then usually they'll do collage, but I have all different art media there, and they can choose to do whatever they want. Um, but I just, I just find it, it's such an instant thing when you start to let yourself get out of that busy mode, if you like. And, and if you, if you, it takes work, but if you can kind of silence that critical part of yourself and just let yourself be attracted to things, um, I, I, the kid comes alive instantly if you're presented with, you know, clay and, or paper and paints and things. And, you know, as soon as you have something in your hands, it's like this little kid part wants to get in there and mess with it. And so it, it becomes a little easier for people that are really quite afraid or are, are, are stuck in that trap of, well, I have to make it look like something or it has to be good. And, of course, that comes up. We're human. That doesn't really go away, but we find ways to tame it and we find ways to please ourselves on the way there. Oh, this is so interesting the way you say that because I actually forgot <clears throat> completely about this part of the program that I work with, the Homeless Moms at the Children's Museum. <clears throat> Sorry. So they come once a week for two hours in the first hour they bring your kids, and um, it's kind of like a mommy and me time, but the first yeah. 20, 25 minutes or so is just kind of free play, and we have an art project out, and the kids are very little, so it's mostly the mothers who do the art projects. And um, <clears throat> many of these mothers did not grow up actually knowing how to play. And right. um, so it's interesting to sit around the table with them because I can't just sit there. I have to do the art project <laughs> <laughs> which has been really interesting for me because <clears throat> I'm one of these people who thinks that they can't create art. I can write, I can make right. music, but making visual art is just, I was never, you know, I just, that was one of the things that I was, always thought I couldn't do. But I've made Valentine's Day cards for my husband. I've made yeah. keepsake boxes. I've made masks. I mean, half of them I don't take home. but um, and And I watch the mothers and... And while we're doing it, they're talking about completely different things. We could be talking about, um, I don't know, we could be talking about discipline. We could be, we spent one year talking about Dance Moms. I don't know if you've ever seen that television show, Dance Moms. but I've seen previews. <laughs> they, they were obsessed with the show Dance Moms. But while they're talking about Dance Moms, they're making these amazing mobiles and, and all kinds of things. And if you would ask them or if you would ask me, you know, um, are, you, are you creative? Could you make this? We would all say no. And, right. and there was just something. So, and I don't know. I mean, I find this in writing, too, that the group dynamic is also, like, I think our books are really, really valuable because, you know, alone time and, and being able to access these, uh, emotions or sides to yourself, uh, it's important to be able to do it on your own. But the group dynamic also, I think, yes. adds uh, another element to the equation that's equally valuable. I agree. I think I think that's really um, I think that's such an important piece of it. I I know one of the things I did um, was I had a, a I developed with a, another person a curriculum for girls called Alternative Mirrors, and it was an art-based curriculum. It was an, an option they could sign up for. And when we started, it was 
the way the schools were set up, there were these two-hour slots on one day of the week for these optional programs. And so once a week we had the group for two hours. And it was wonderful because what, what happened was everyone would be doing their own thing, but then there was a time when we could share or not share. It was always, you know, it was a voluntary mm-hmm. thing. But the kids would just be amazed that the person that they thought had it all together and never had any insecurity about the way they looked or how they got along with their mom or dad or whatever it was. They were just amazed that they went through similar things to them. And that becomes so apparent with the art and with the sharing in a group. And then, you know, then no, it, to me it takes that edge off of, well, I'm weird or I'm no good mm-hmm. or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just another entry into humanity that, that becomes yeah. instantly apparent when we share heartfelt writing or or playful art making which is um you know from the heart also i love that expression in your book by the way when you said writing with all chambers of the heart or from all chambers of the heart i i just i think that's just such a powerful phrase well you know in it in it um it I guess what I would say to people is just, like, sit down and do it. Like, just spend five minutes or ten minutes and just do it. And then do it again the next day or two, day, or two days later. But, you know, just, just kind of take these, these little steps. And, and what um, I was particularly, I was drawn to a lot in your book, but I, um, your chapter 11, Life is Art, Life is Play, where you kind of rename... Um, uh, kind of uh, feelings or judgments or whatever that um, <clears throat> that before you might um, you say I'll just read what you said you said <laughs> while this journey was is playful it is also intensely serious creative expression impacts the way I live my life in significant ways I created the following chart to, to demonstrate my before and after tendencies so before oh, right, yeah. is wishing, after is willing. Before is waiting, after is beginning. And you have passive versus active, goal-oriented, process-oriented. I'm not going to read all of them, but yeah. I, I love the renaming. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that is so important uh, when we attach a negative to ourselves to rename it so you can you can find a path that way, you know. Right. Um, and it's, a, it's a place that you can really get to and the last one which i love is victim versus participant um yeah. you know i think in 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 this day and age i think that's really really um so relevant and so important um to give yourself power that way yeah and i that was something that i really got from your book especially in the context of the medical world that people have to navigate because it's quite overwhelming and um, touch wood I haven't experienced a lot of what you've experienced but um, I think the the fact that you are giving these prompts and the prompts are wonderful I, I love the prompts but you know there was one section where uh, again about the naming where you were talking about um, sort of personifying different emotions or different right. aspects and it really reminded me of that movie I was it called Inside Out you know the animated yes, movie yes I, I know yeah. it that really, came it really out reminded after me. I wrote that section and I was like <laughs> because no. <laughs> I, I know I just thought I thought that's so true we all have these kind of images of, of like anxiety being this little stuttering, nervous Nelly, you know, yeah. and it's like, um, and I think there was a section in mine where I talked about um, 
where you can dialogue with different aspects of yes. the image, too. Yeah. And it's like, I think I gave an example because it, it actually came up when I was working with someone where there was kind of a, you know, like, like somebody stuck like in a log jam, and then there were these clouds that kind of felt very free and flowing. And I, Anyway, in the book, I think I call it, let's just see if old Mr. Bump on a log has something to say to free as a, free as the, free as a, Free, in the, free as the air balloon or something like that, because mm-hmm. it, it just it tickled me to, to think that, you know, as soon as we do that, um, it's very powerful to do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's also, in what, what I was trying to get to, I kind of went off the rails there, but when you're dealing in the medical world, I think you're so vulnerable and you're so much kind of in this, um, you know, not... I, I, What's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, not passive so much, but you're in a lesser position. Like these are the people mm-hmm. with the equipment and the, the expertise, yeah. and and they know what's what. And I'm down here, and I'm just struggling to even hear what they're saying. So if you can find different ways to empower yourself in that and be active, I think that's huge in the process, even if it's just going to your computer and trying to understand some of the terminology or some of the tests and, you know, all of that stuff. But it's um, to have the writing because it's an active, creative, life-affirming thing to do, you know, in the face of this overwhelming, um, you know, kind of, it's like, I just keep, the image that came to me was like a big flood just kind of washing over you and, and your house and all your belongings and everything just kind of mm-hmm. drifting away as you try to keep above water. Yeah, yeah, that's a <laughs> pretty good description. And the water <laughs> is basically your own tears that's... Uh, yeah, uh, that, I'm sure. That, ...that are drowning you. Um, but I think that, you know, we all have something. Um, and, you know, while the right prescription has a focus on... Uh, illness. It's it's for family members and caregivers, not just for the person who has, uh, and it's physical and mental illness. And and it's know, for everybody. Whether what you're in means it's for everybody. Yeah, it, it <laughs> and it is for everybody. I think just in general, yeah. because it is more about observing, you know, closely observing and paying attention to your yeah. life and your yeah. feelings and others in your life. And and I love the fact that you keep having, and of course this is a writing thing, a technique I know, to, to change perspective so it's written from different mm-hmm. points of view, like in novels and whatnot, but how, yeah. how insightful that can be to suddenly be the doctor who's, you know, having to, to tell you something difficult or who's avoiding icon, you know what I mean? It's like you get yeah. into everybody's, everybody's experience. Yeah, I mean, that was, and again, I think that people, like, ask, like, you know, the difference between speaking something versus writing something. And yep. I think that um, kind of a couple things happen when you write or when you do art is that um, even though you're drawing from your belly and your heart, you're kind of standing next to yourself while you're doing yes. it. And so that tiny, tiny bit of distance makes it less scary. You know, yep. like I'll have women um, in my homeless moms or other workshops that I teach, and they're not all women, I should men, um, who will write, and I'll watch their faces as they're writing, and they're very calm, and, you know, they could be writing, you know, I went to the store today and bought a carton of milk, and then they start to read, and they're writing these really, really emotional stories about their childhood or, you know, a neglectful mother or whatever it is, 
and their voices start to shake and they start to cry. And, well, it was safe for them to write it. And if they had tried to speak it, they wouldn't have gotten there. And and, I think the same same with the drawing or artwork, which is maybe even a little bit more powerful because it's even more... um, it's even more of a metaphor in a way. Um, I use metaphor a lot because I think it's a great way to explain something that isn't physical. You know? Definitely. Um, so I think. No, it's it's. Uh, I think both. I mean, really, we're we're pulling from the same well with with the art or the or the writing. I mean, it is images that that are more compelling and richer. Um, that that are then seen or read, and and then it's like it. I think. It's the relationship too that distance allows you to relate to it rather than having it running inside, running in circles inside you. Um, once you've written it or, or you know represented it in some other format, it, it that's distance right there too. Not not just the process of doing it, but when it's finished. Right. So yeah. I think we need to wrap up. But on your, your so. website, your website is. Uh, www.joanstanford, S-T-A-N-F-O-R-D.com. And yep. what's beautiful about your your book is very beautiful, first of all. It's the, the, it's, it feels good. The pages are rich and gorgeous. The colors just kind of are, are kind of, I don't know, they're just, the pages are just imbued and enriched with all these gorgeous colors and, and the feel of the paper. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. But if some and so people should buy it. But if Thank you. um if someone wants to um do you have some of these images on your website so people can I get do. It? I, I, okay. I don't know that I have all the I don't know that I have all the book images, probably some of them, but I definitely have images up on the website. Right. Just so people get a sense of, yep. of this art that you're talking about, which is right. um, uh, real. I mean, I'm looking at this and say, what would I do if I tried to make a brain? And I mean, it's really, really something. Um, so I just wanted to um, uh, give that information so that people know how to reach you or, or look at your work. And, um, and it's just been a great, really a great pleasure to talk to you. And Thank you. you. And the, your uh, website again, Judith? My website is judithhannonwrites.com. And okay. Hannon is H-A-N-N-A-N. Um, Got it. And there are some sample prompts up on that as well. Um, I hope you'll do something with your with the work you're doing with the homeless women's writing, too. That would be wonderful to read. I do post every once in a while, um, uh Mostly on Facebook. I haven't really done anything on my on my website about some of the things that they've okay. they've written. I had them um, do a prompt talking about the renaming. I had them do a prompt to write about the shelter system as if it was a person. And uh-huh. uh, a woman wrote just something that was unbelievable about kind of an uncaring um, kind of not very attractive man who ignores the cries of the women and the children that acts as if, you know, he's going to give you something and he never does. He kind of seduces oh. you into thinking that you're going to get help. It was just really beautiful. Um, and oh. that one I did, I did post that one around all over the place. <laughs> good, um, good. Well, it's yeah. been a real pleasure talking to you, too, and um, I, will, um, I will be in touch. Great. Take care now.